0: Well, it's a great evening for a great conversation. This is 97.3 City FM and you're welcome to City Trends. City Trends is sponsored by Hubtel, helping you collect payments easily. Now, if you're a business owner, selling to your customers should be and is the most important thing to you I can imagine so if your customers um, have to always come to your store before they can buy from you then you're definitely losing sales these days customers want to shop from you and pay without necessarily coming to your store this is where Hubtel can help you modernize your sales get your own e-commerce platform from Hubtel so you can sell in your store you can sell online and you can sell on mobile Hoptel gives you a free POS software for your store as well, a free mobile money short code, and a free web store. 3 in 1. And even gets better, they are some of the best as a sales services as well. Sign in today at hoptel.com using the referral code CITIFM and or you can simply choose to dial star 713 hash and you're good to go. Hoptel helping you grow your sales. On the show today, we try to understand. What is this fascination with 5G technology? And for those of you who probably don't even know what it is about, well, today's show will help you get some clarification on that. I'll also be trying to understand its implications for the global economy. We're trying to understand what 5G technology will mean for Africa and opportunities therein for Africa to take hold of it. My guest today is Kofi Dazi of Rankard and he'll be joining us for this conversation. We'll also run through some of the latest highlights from the Apple event from yesterday. Um, Interesting event, I must say, but you'll be needing a lot of cash to catch up with um, the latest Mac Pro, I believe. Well, a lot of things happening on the show today. Totally excited to come your way once again. Thank you for making time with us. This is City Trends. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 54 Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. So let's start things off with the how-to segment. And as, you know, Jeffrey mentioned last week, he'll be taking us through um, some steps, data detoxing. You get to that point where everything just it comes too much. There's just too much info Um Over your head sometimes, and you really want to take a step back and not sure exactly how to do it. This is day one.
1: Hello, and welcome to the how to segments on city trends. This evening, we are moving on to part two of the data detox process. Today, we are looking at getting people to see the search results on you that you want them to see. First, go to a search engine like Google. Also, try others like DuckDuckGo and Start Page. Search for your name. If you have a name that is common, add an additional piece of information like your city or work. Select images below the search bar and look at what's associated with your name. If you find any images that you don't want online, you can contact the owner of the page to take it down or you can ask Google to omit it from the search results through a right to be forgotten request.
0: Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you are battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with CityTrends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 0549986996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. 5G here, 5G there, 5G literally everywhere. The debate over 5G came up prominently, however, a few weeks ago when Trump did what Trump does best, ban things. He basically banned the exchange or purchase of electronic and telecom software and hardware from Huawei, um, you know, because yeah he's trump anyway so aside the shock over the whole google issue and everything else related the bigger conversation about the race to dominate 5g came up but why is it even a race in the first place what exactly is 5g and how will it change your life doing a listing right now in your car at home um even on a podcast how is it going to change your life should you even care about it Big questions sometimes usually have the simplest answers. And Kofi Dadze, CEO of Rancard, hopefully will be giving us a few of those. He joins me to share some insights into the matter. Kofi, thank you so much for joining us and making time on the show. Thank you,
2: Philip. and good evening to
0: your listeners. OK, it looks like, uh, yeah, this that's that that's, that's, I think will be better. So, Kofi, thank you so much once again um, for joining us on the show. Um, let's start off from where probably a lot of people have more questions. What is 5G, right. to start off with?
2: So, um, 5G generally refers to a fifth generation of wireless network, carrier wireless network technology. Okay. Um, it has, its its definition is multi-layered because you can look at it from the physics of wave spectrum, right. um, which is uh, basically the way in which the the communication um, channel um, is, um, operates in the wave spectrum, so we can look at it from the physics. You can also look at it from the perspective of communications equipment infrastructure, right. including even um, handheld devices that can support that network technology. So one of the best ways of understanding 5G Is to do a little bit of history before we play a little bit with the physics. For most users, we remember 3G Mm. and we know 4G. Many of us don't actually really remember (laughs) 2.5G and 2G. 2G? Some of us will remember Edge.
0: Yes. And many of us continue.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) And many of us continue to see an e signal. That's a downgrade from sometimes a 4G signal signal. we may have Mm. or an H. Signal, which mm. typically represented the 3G spectrum. G,
0: right.
2: right. And sometimes we see a downgrade to edge E. Mm. But how many of us remember GPRS?
0: <laughs> right.
2: right? Uh, which actually is the acronym for General Packet Radio Services. Right. So, um, GPRS is where most of us started our mobile data life. Mm. That meant we were able to browse the internet on our phones via those days was mainly via a, an application technology called WAP. Right. So many of us will, will right. remember WAP, right. right? So those were the first experiences we have we had of the web, mm. on our phone. Phones. Those days, the types of phones we used we referred to in the industry as feature-rich, right. phones. Yeah. Where the generation of phones before those were referred to as feature phones, feature phones right. right? Okay, so our yam generation and the evolution from there. Right. So GPRS meant we could have a little data. Right. Then when Edge kicked in, I mean, we complain about Edge today, but at that time it was it great was to have Edge, right? Exactly. So that was your two two point five G, and some network technologies at the time would break it down further to two point seven five G. Mm-hmm. What it basically referred to. Was the upper limit of communication speeds that the spectrum allocated could achieve, right. as well as the equipment c- could match? Right. Obviously, equipment manufacturers being in competition with each other, so here we're looking at the Huawei's of this world, mm. that, that's what comes up in mm. the uh, US ban. Mm. Um, historically, it would be Ericsson, Alcatel, Siemens, Cisco, mm. Nortel. So there was a class of equipment manufacturers and carrier technology before Huawei and ZTE Mm. um, matured in the space. So that's where you had that evolution. So then we moved on from Edge, and then we moved into 3G, right? So 3G data speeds could reach, if I recall right, about on average, about 10 megabits. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And um, that's when... We most of us were acquiring smartphones. For many of us, it started originally with uh, BlackBerry, right. and uh, and some previous versions oh. of Nokia's, okay. and then we began yeah. to see the iPhones the picking. as in. Well. In the US, um, when iPhones were originally launched, they were distributed only on the AT and T network. Right. It's important to put this in perspective because in the evolution of, or in the adoption of the new carrier technologies, there is an ecosystem that has to kick into play. Okay. If we look at it as users, we'll say that well we need to have phones which support it. Right. So there are still a few phones out there today that don't even support 4G, which people use. Mm. Well there was a time when there were phones that didn't even support 3G. 3G. Good. Mm. So you need to have handset manufacturers distributing phones that support that new carrier technology. Mm you will need to have equipment manufacturers mm. building the network equipment and infrastructure, to to producing, manufacturing that, that to actually support those new yeah. carrier yeah. technologies. Network equipment manufacturers are also in different layers. They are the chipset manufacturers, and then there are the additional equipment or the larger equipment manufacturers around that as well. Mm. So you may have for instance, an Alcatel, a Siemens, a Huawei, buying chipsets from, say, a Vitez semiconductor, or a Qualcomm mm. that actually does the, the networking chips, or an Intel. Right. So you have to have this whole chain and ecosystem of In manufacturers, case. from the handheld devices that uh, users will actually use to access the network, mm. as well as what the, the mobile carriers will be rolling, rolling out. out well. But okay. But this is where we get to the physics of it. This is where we'll have to transition from what we experience, and the history and the physics of it. The physics of it has to do with the ability for the networking equipment, the technology, Mm -hmm. the hardware, Mm -hmm. and specifically the networking chips, to be able to read and process signals in a certain carrier spectrum, or in a okay. certain um, wave band. Right. So, so let's play with the physics there a little bit. Some of us may remember um, things like shortwave radio, mm. longwave radio, mm. SW1, SW2. <laughs> um, right. My dad talked about it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> many of us understand more FM and FM stands for Frequency Modulation. So we're talking here about the frequency. So let's go to the beach for a minute. So you and I are standing on the seashore, and we're seeing the waves running up to us. What we are able to observe is that a wave has a crest, that's its peak, and then it has the pitch where it descends. So we can see these waves kind of rise and fall, rise and fall. Mm. If we kind of projected ourselves into the sky and could watch a particular wave moving from the transverse or from the side or from the profile, we would see that after a while, a wave that had a particular very high peak has reduced in its peak over time. Mm. That's called attenuation. Okay. So what happens with waves is that if the wavelength that is the distance mm. right from the peak to the pitch is very long then it's able to travel longer distances okay. right okay and on the other hand if the wavelength is very short then it tends to lose the signal over longer distances okay however if the wavelength is very short then the frequency and the frequency means Time it takes for a wave to move through a cycle, right. right? So the frequency is the time it takes to move through a cycle. That's what we call the hertz, or that's what we measure in hertz. Right. Okay. So for the short wavelength, mm. the frequency is naturally higher, or it moves faster yeah. because it's the the cycle travels through a shorter distance. Mm. So a long wavelength, you could think of it as a hertz, mm. and then it's getting shorter when it becomes a kilohertz, Mm. that means a 1,000 cycles per second. Mm. It's getting shorter when it becomes a megahertz, that means a million cycles per second. Mm. It's getting shorter when it becomes a gigahertz, that means in one second, this wave goes through a billion cycles. Mm. Now, the wave that does so many more cycles per second also is able to transmit so much more data Data. in that same amount of time. Mm. Now, the chip equipment that is going to process that wave also needs to be able to read at that cycle speed. Mm. So, you need higher networking gear in terms of the speed and the frequency of the chip processing technology mm. to be able to read what we call these millimeter wave bands, where the 5G frequencies, um, where the 5G frequency spectrum is allocated. So what it ultimately means is that there will be R&D and new investments in equipment, design, development and manufacture to be able to move and transcend into 5G. But also, typically, the regulators who own the airwaves would um, normally also do new auctions in that spectrum. So the carriers would typically buy the spectrum normally in the tens or hundreds of millions of USD, depending on the market. Mm. And then the network equipment manufacturers would do the R&D in the new equipment, which the carriers would also have to invest in Mm. to be able to roll out the services. Mm. Then the phone Mm. and handset equipment manufacturers would also do some new R&D and development and production of new hand-held devices that can also support the 5G Now the question often is, who does these investments Mm. first? Mm. How does the ecosystem pull together and organise itself and market the entire set of infrastructure, equipment and services that it takes to roll out these new technologies? And Mm. why do they do it? And what should users expect, ultimately? That's,
0: That's an incredible breakdown. Kind of then gives us a sense of why There's so much debate going on, because I think a lot of people really don't understand the fact that the ecosystem, the role Mm -hmm. of the ecosystem, Mm -hmm. is so critical, such that when one element is removed from it, it makes it a very complicated process all of a sudden. And we have. I think, I mean, as consumers, we don't really have a choice. We just want to handset our baby to access faster speed. So that's our main focus. But then, clearly, with the debate that has come over with China and Huawei and everybody else, it just gives you a sense that there is much more at play than what we read about and what we hear about. Now, with, with all this background in place, mm-hmm. then why, why, why is Huawei's ban such a big deal? I mean, we understand <laughs> Huawei has, like, is a few miles ahead of the rest of the world when it mm-hmm. comes to the building mm-hmm. of infrastructure mm-hmm. f- to mm-hmm. support 5G. Mm-hmm. But why, if the, if they are so far ahead, why is the ban such a big deal?
2: Right. So, I think while the original arguments that were put forward in the U.S. context concerning Huawei's um, equipment distribution for use in carrier networks in the US, were predicated on security. Most of the current analysis focuses on economics. So one way of looking at it is this. If you understand 5G as the new infrastructure Mm. that is going to unlock the full chain of the Internet of Things, Everything from the ability to do real time remote robotic assisted um, uh, medical procedures and interventions to driverless cars Cars that will need to talk to each other at high speed on the road and have a full sense of what is around them and make Mm -hmm. intelligent decisions with AI Mm -hmm. to every device we use, our appliances, talking with each other and creating what's called ambient computing. Um, So that's basically. Um, If you were to summarise the Fourth Industrial Revolution and its full rollout, it will require what 5G networks afford. Very low um, network latency. That means that when um, equipment needs to talk to the um, network through its radios, that the response time is almost real-time. So it's just so much shorter. than. 5G obviously multiplies speeds versus, say, 4G by 10 to 40 times. So it's wireless at the speed of fiber. Mm. Okay, And then also, 5G affords what's called high connection density. It means one, say, network station can support about a thousand times more equipment than your typical... 4G 4G. network station would. So then it basically means all the devices that and all the equipment that you want to put on the network can all be active and talking to each other Mm. in multiples. Okay? All right. If you think of what we are saying is that the new economy ultimately runs on 5G or is largely enabled by 5G. Right. If that's the case, then shouldn't you be concerned who owns and is building the equipment Mm. that's going to run it? Certainly, should Mm. be Mm. so. It's the economic concerns that I think are paramount. So, if Huawei is ahead and um, networks, carrier networks, are going to roll out largely on their equipment, then the economics of the infrastructure of that new economy would largely sit with them in the same way in which when um, c- cars, transportation were becoming mainstream, or let's even look at the aviation industry as an example. <coughs> Excuse me. The, evi- the the commercial aviation industry is largely Boeing and Airbus. right? right? Because um, the US Boeing and the European Airbus had a head start. Mm. That meant that they would continuously, for several decades, be ahead of the rest of the world, even though you have other... Um, um, aircraft manufacturing Factures companies, from your Embryos and, and what they are doing in South America to right. what the Chinese are doing. It's just difficult and it takes a while to catch up. Mm. So you basically have what you can call an adoption cycle,
3: right.
2: which a number of companies and industries will miss mm. if there is a clear leader. Right. Now when you look at important markets who have market power, buying Typically, their governments and their regulators will be sensitive to the larger economics. Mm. And so, that could influence, even if it's initially seen as a security reason. Yeah, yeah. Now, The biggest story is the economics. The, the, the biggest story is the economics. So you have to understand the economics of 5G, where 5G is only the infrastructure. Mm. And that's why 5G equipment manufacture or distribution is a sensitivity, which by the way, I would say not only a US and mm. Europe should be looking at, economies like ours should also have policies that are sensitive to what does a world of five G look like. Mm. The world of five G enables Internet of Things, Internet of Things increases the generation of data. That's what we call big data. AI runs on big data. In fact, if if AI is the new electricity, that's where all our decision systems sit, (laughs) as a human race, in the future. Data is the fuel. So, then the question is, how is the data being generated? It's by all these devices coming onto the network. Who's building these devices? Who's running them? Whose network? Whose equipment? Mm. Hmm. That's certainly a national security That's, that issue. Is, That's certainly that, that an economic be. security issue.
0: That, that Then you would understand why Trump would take the decisions that he's taken. But really, if China does it, or America does it, or Australia does it, or the UK does it, eventually someone is going to do it.
2: So what is the big deal with China doing it? Well, I think the jury is out there that we are probably moving... From or we have moved from a bipolar world to a unipolar world, and we're probably evolving into a multipolar world, Mm. of which one of the key poles basically emerging is China. I think the jury is out on that Mm. now. Um, Now, if you look at what makes China become a global economic giant in the future, and what 's at the heart of it china 's ascent to have been on the basis of China having become the world 's factory, mm. so we say mm. even Apple builds iPhones in China, china. as it were yeah. well, a lot of that physical manufacture is beginning to move beyond china so china 's dominance in the future is not entirely based on their recent history of manufacturing prowess, China recognises policy-wise that it is based on big data, cloud, AI, ultimately AI and robotics. Mm That is where the future of global economy is shifting to. It is the decision systems that run our lives. So, the sensitivity really is about who is going to dominate that world, who is going to be hosting our data, who is going to be therefore running all the AI systems that drive the world's economies. Mm. Today, that is Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple, Mm. the Big Five. However, in China, the Big Five are not that big. Mm. In China, it's Baidu for AI, Tencent, right, Alibaba, and then you have your JD.com. And then you have, when you move from the software platforms into the hardware, you have the Xiaomis and the Huawei's and the ZT's. Mm. Now, China essentially has the full ecosystem, the entire technology infrastructure from hardware to networks to software to own that new economy mm. and has matured that pretty well in China, as well as the ecosystem of entrepreneurs Mm. who are building Building the applications on top of that. that. Mm. Now, what's happened in history, from the evolution of Europe to the US, is after these companies become giants in their local market, then they have to move out. Mm. So everybody knows that the natural trend is these Chinese giants, like we've seen recently, of the US giants, Um, Google struggles in Europe, 15 years ago, that was Microsoft's struggles Mm. in Europe, right? Mm. So, as we see, the country that emerges the technologies best also grows the most dominant companies, and then the economic Mm. benefits ultimately accrue to those countries. Mm. So, the anxiety Mm. is that China is showing similar positive economic evolution systems Mm. Um, and that there will be a shift. Being that that shift, the fourth industrial revolution is defined ultimately by that fusion between the digital, the physical and the biological. And that that fusion is ultimately defined by data and AI.
3: Mm.
2: Given that the data economy which is mobile first in China is explosive. It's being driven by their hardware, by their technology, by their networks, and it's beginning to be exported into the world. Mm. You could k- kind of look at it as there should be a natural reaction of some resistance. level of some resistance, sort. protectionism mm. by the incumbent powers, as it were. Mm. Also, because they are in th- their attempts to establish themselves. And become dominant in the Chinese market have been curtailed largely mm-hmm. by the Chinese the uh, politics and that's everything. Right. Else that yeah. surrounds it. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: That's interesting. So a lot of the debates that we are having today, mm-hmm. issues about the health implications of five G, for example, those are very little things. Like in the grand scheme of things, those are those are minute things. the The bigger issues of the economy, the bigger issues of the security, and everything else. Mm-hmm really need to be sorted out and it looks and and it's clearly understandable why some of these other nations will be taking the positions that they are taking because they have been left behind Mm. you know in terms of the technology race quote unquote and it looks like in trying to catch up These are some of the things that it can put in in the way of of China, and Huawei and all these other companies um, coming from, you know, the Asian side of of, of, of things. Well, this is still City Trends on 97.3 CTF and we're having a conversation about 5G technology and its implications on the global economy. And we are going to dive a little into the Africa story and where exactly we stand. Do we even have a foot to stand on is the big question now. Kofi, where, where does Africa sit well? Because it, it feels every time you read about, you know, how we are um, positioning ourselves, it's more, it's more like we are consuming and we're just taking as it is. You know, mm-hmm. China has built this thing for this country and China has built that thing for this country and you go for this grant and this aid and we are always receiving. What is our competitive advantage when it comes to this global, this this? this AI-driven future, as it were, do we even have one?
2: Oh yes, we do. Mm. Um, It's whether we will apply our competitive advantage, Mm. that's what the real question is. Mm. Ultimately, the competitive advantage, ultimately, ultimately, throughout all of history and recent times, is human capital. Mm. Um, Human capital, I think, is still at least partly a numbers game. Um, and not just numbers, but also uh, the demographic configuration. Mm. So if we have a whole lot more school-going age um, people Mm. in our population pyramid, then we stand to potentially be the deepest educated population, say 20 to 30 years from now. Mm. As in, the continent with the ability to produce the most human capital, if you look at it quantitatively like that, the question is if we will make the right investments in the right types of education to prepare this burgeoning population we're about to release on the world. Hmm. Now we also know that um, with the again with uh, increased investments in uh, better networking technology, it means that People anywhere can work everywhere. Increasingly, we're going to see a world in which we don't need um, a physical migration of people to some part of the world for them to work beneficially. We're going to see more of the likes of the Andellas of this world making talent geographically mm. um, uh, distributable, right. if you like. Yeah. Um, so, with uh, advances in VR and AR and AI, people will be able to work collaboratively even more easily without having to physically move themselves. But even more interestingly, again, one of the benefits of 5G bringing in low network latencies is that real-time conversations in different languages will be possible. So four or five of us could be on a... Mm. conference call, Mm. party A speaking English, B speaking French, C speaking Fee, D speaking Chinese, E speaking Swedish. And we're all talking. Talking, And the translation is really happening across multiple transposed Mm. processing layers. Mm. Because this is where AI really gets powerful. Can we actually compute all the nuances Mm. of what we are saying, and maybe even make some visual body language into it? And we all understand each other, Mm. and there's no delay because there is no delay, then the conversation is fluent. Mm. So it's even better than being physically in the same place. right? <laughs> so then that can translate not only to verbal conversations, but to work, to the consumption of content, a whole mm. bunch of things mm. kicking. Now the question becomes, who is driving? That's what. whose human capital mm. is driving these applications? Whose human capital is driving, not just consuming? Right now, so we have the potential as these technologies are emerging Mm. and as we are becoming the greatest producers. This is Africa as a continent because of our population demographics Mm. of human capital over the next 20 to 30 years. Whether we will train, develop this capital Mm. to be relevant into 20 years. The key is into 20 years, not what we are learning and how we are learning it today but whether we are preparing mm. this new burgeoning population that we have to be relevant to building the future it's really key you have to map it into the future mm. so not today's learning methods but learning methods that will make us be the drivers and the builders of the future if that is the case if that is the case if we have this policy understanding the vision and the boldness to orient our populations, and, and we just need to look at this. Doesn't have to be. We say Africa. Right. Need to look at this locally, mm. right? So, mm. how is Ga- Ghana doing it? If Ghana leads and sets an example, other African countries are able to replicate it more easily. How is Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa doing it? You know, are we doing it at all? Do we have these policies? Are they designed by us with mm. an understanding? Mm of what our circumstances are, and with exposure to the global environment, or are we sitting back and waiting for it to be dictated by people who are really competing with us and yet Mm. who make it seem benevolent? So, it has to be policies that are designed by us, our own leadership, with our own sensitivity, our own understanding, and the empathy to our circumstances, which only a people who are local to their environment can understand. I'm not Mm. saying learning and policies and intelligence cannot be exported and that you can't learn best practices from elsewhere. But look how nuance and empathy are real. right? We are living in mosquito land. We are mm. bitten by mosquitoes. We know the experience. Mm. Therefore, if our scientists are developing remedies, they will address all the real nuances. They won't just be something done in... A lab elsewhere in isolation. It will be done with the understanding of what does it take to roll it out effectively and have an I- impact here. So I think we need to have an attitude mm. where we take a peek into the future, we develop our understanding of it, and we get aggressive about how we are developing our local capital to this. This is what China has been doing mm. for the last few decades, yeah. and that's why they've emerged to the forefront now. It's been a journey they've gone through, we similarly as African nations need to do that, pitch into the future mm. and be strategic about how we're preparing to dominate and lead that. As as, as we wrap up with the conversation, um, I'd just like to tap into
0: your, your, your vision as well. Um, if you had the opportunity to sort of help us map out what we need to do yeah. to position ourselves for that kind of future, because it doesn't look like we are considering that today, all things considered. W- what would you wish to see being done today mm-hmm. for us to position ourselves, at mm-hmm. least give ourselves a fighting
2: chance? Good. It's, it's um, partly in the economics, mm-hmm. and then related to that, the incentives. Um, so let's start with a... Premise that um, the vision of the future is pretty clear. Mm. It is pretty clear that it is unclear. <laughs> 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 um, oh, and so preparation wow. means versatile ability to think, respond, and have the capacity to drive the opportunities that the insights bring. Mm. Okay, what what that means basically is that we train ourselves to be good at sensing. Building insights, and then we have the capacity to build a response to the mm. insights we learn. Okay, some people will call that being analytical. Mm. Um, then the economics. The economics are the economics of the infrastructure. You see, most opportunities—if we call them applications—only come into being because there's underlying infrastructure. That a YouTube, and if you have to now, you have to think of YouTube before Google acquired YouTube. Mm. Right? And think of the fact that at the time YouTube was, I think, less than a 50 man company. Google acquired for about $1.5 billion at the time. Okay. But that a YouTube would be developed where it was was because there was that bandwidth and the infrastructure thereof. So it wouldn't make sense if you are in an economy where bandwidth is not very available, not very accessible, not very affordable to build a business like YouTube. It wouldn't grow, it wouldn't scale, you wouldn't have customers on it. You certainly couldn't make it initially free to grow adoption because people would still have to um, buy the expensive data. So the infrastructure is key. So you want to look at the economics of the infrastructure. So I'll oversimplify it like this. Mm. If we created economic incentives where spectrum acquisition was such that it created an incentive for networks and innovators in the space to k- get access mm. to the spectrum such that they could shift the investment to say more R&D and the acquisition of equipment mm. such that it could spur the adoption of the applications and and the services that rolling out such high speed data infrastructure would bring mm. That would immediately put you ahead of those who are now trying to justify the investment in the spectrum, let alone in the equipment, let alone then in the services and in the adoption. As an example, um, mobile carriers in Ghana are still rolling out 4G. 4G. Hmm. So you can say that in our economy, we don't have a fully matured, competitive 4G network environment. Mm. So then you ask yourself the question, when will carrier networks in our economy even get to the point of return on investment on 4G and begin to make significant investments in rolling out 5G? 4G. But policy-wise, mm. policy-wise, if we take a far-field view and we network All the incentives into what we are focused on. So, for instance, in Ghana, it's free SHS, it's education, Mm. right? And then you ask yourself if we made it easier and faster for companies to roll out 5G and 5G like infrastructure, connectivity services, how could we use that to drive a high quality, wider spread, faster adoption of free SHS? Mm. What would be The device component of it, what would be the content component of it, who would be the creator. So let's say we got all of that right, we got our ecosystem, the incentive, and the economics of it right, and as a result, Hmm. right, 5G powered free education in Ghana became the global model. Hmm. Where, and now here's the key where that model was driven largely by a new class of technology giants that have been created. In Ghana, Ghanaian organizations, because the policy environment created the economics and the incentive for them to invest in building these new technologies. Mm. Because the infrastructure was there and the commercial environment was there. Mm. All of a sudden, these new Ghanaian technology giants, who have grown successfully in their own local environment, now then start rolling out into other countries. Mm. So they get really big. They own the markets because they are able to deliver value that companies that grew up in other markets who didn't have that economic environment and the infrastructure wouldn't naturally build. Yeah. So in short, it's why we're all using YouTube, and not mm. one that was may have been built by a company in Kenya or in Nigeria, because it wouldn't have made sense to have built a YouTube there at a the time when others had data and we did not. Mm. So that's how the policy environment can kick in, then the right economics incentives and an ecosystem where there will be innovation that will first drive itself and skill in a local economy that supports it mm-hmm. and then automatically start scaling up globally we can do it we c- <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know uh, we,
2: just stay positive yes just absolutely. stay
0: positive we could, we can absolutely do it Kofi, thank you so much. And um, final, final words. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about Rankard and what Rankard was doing this year. Yeah, yeah just, just final words.
2: Sure. So we've been focused on making AI relevant to businesses. And to give ourselves room to grow that, we first started with... We, we we used a global-first approach, mm. because we realised early that the local market may not be as focused on adopting AI mainstream yet. Mm. So we used a global-first approach and built out an AI platform for social recommendations, basically product recommendations in e-commerce. Okay. Um, we had some good recognition by um, Facebook in that we're featured in their Uh, Our technology was featured in the uh, developer conference, and uh, we've um, so far been able to have over 400,000 users speaking over 87 different languages, connecting with our AI platform, and doing commerce on it, recommendations on it, with the likes of Amazon and Macy's and Best Buy and Jumia. So that's the new stuff we've been Focusing, but the trick in AI is really data. You only mature your AI <laughs> not with fixed algorithms and codes you write, but with how much d- data you are able to learn from with your AI platform. So we've been able to go beyond the initial five to ten gigabytes of um, data that our AI platform has been um, interacted in with and has been a- and is being trained on. And um, now we are beginning to build um, proper machine learning models, um, which will basically allow us to move to the next level. What's not so exciting is that there is so little penetration locally, where um, as an organisation we are most comfortable and we have the most reach. But what is very exciting is that push to be global first is teaching us a lot. About how to compete on that scale mm. technologically and to stretch mm. our uh, muscles. Mm. So um, that's what we, we've been um, focused in. We we, we we have had a few um, of our local customers like an MTN that has adopted um, a an artificial intelligence messenger bot with Facebook on our platform mm. so, so there is some local some, uptake uh, and um, we're just hoping to see more and more. we're just hoping to have more of an impact in our own markets and not have the value all accrued to the adoption we're seeing globally in asia in some of africa as well there's a lot of traffic from egypt mm. um and then obviously us canada uk your corporates, yeah all right well
0: kovidati thank you so much uh, he's the ceo of rankard and he has been immense the breakdown and the understanding, the global perspective, bringing it down to the local as well. Thank
2: you so much for making Thank time you to join so us. much, Philip, for having the patience to listen to it all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, it's now time for us to delve into the app segment of the show. And Jeffrey O'Christopoulos joins us. Jeffrey, um, wow. Charlie. Wow, incredible. Anyway, your, um, your, your app for the week.
1: Okay, so my app for tonight is for the people who own dogs mm. and are seeking to let their dogs breed. Mm. The app is called Waiting for Puppies. So basically, it takes you through the time that your dog gets pregnant till when it delivers. The signs that you should expect. That's mm. what this app does. So from day one to the final day, mm. the things that you should be expecting, the changes that you should be seeing in your dog. Yeah. Waiting for puppies. That's,
0: is this a local app? No. Okay. That's unfortunate. I was really I was really hoping that it'd be a local app.
1: Unfortunately it's not. Mm. So what's the app called? Waiting for puppies.
0: Waiting for puppies. Like a yes. full sentence. Yes. Like the waiting for puppies. C I N G F O R P P
1: P U P P I E S
0: and it's available where?
1: Only on Android. Only on Android. Unfortunately Fortunately.
0: Wow. So waiting for puppies. So if you're out there, you have a dog, you I'm not sure exactly what they are going through in their pregnancy um,
1: whatever yeah. this is this app mm. takes you through everything mm. Mm. day one day two wow. um so a friend of mine the one who, who on whose status i saw this mm. I, I was there and i see 62nd day da, 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 i'm like yo what's going on <laughs> are, you, are you
0: are you giving birth <laughs> then
1: oh. i go check it out and it's actually because he loves dogs okay if you remember Jones,
0: yes, that is understandable. Uh-huh. If it's Jones, then we understand. Wow, waiting for puppies. Yeah, available only on only Android. on Android. Please, if you love dogs, I'm guessing that this is the app for you. Um, please download it, and use it. Let's do what you think about <laughs> it. You know because. People need solutions, working solutions. So, if there's an app that works for you, please try it out and let us know what you think about it. Um, yeah. Any, any other apps that you have for us um,
1: No. So, as I've been doing lately, bringing you just one. Mm. So, you have the time to, to go through it, enjoy it, it. And enjoy it properly.
0: Yeah. Well, still thank you very much for that <laughs> um, waiting for puppies yes is the mobile application that we reviewed uh, this week so please try and download it try and experience it and give us feedback on you know what your thoughts were about it jeffrey is available on social media at
1: um on twitter my handle is oj sapon O J S A R P O N G.
0: O J oj sapon yeah on twitter you can follow him there we have a lot of conversations coming up on the show So we are diving straight into the trending segment of the show and this segment basically looks at some of the top technology stories that have popped up and come to our attention um, this week. And one of the biggest of course has to do with Apple and uh, uh, WWDC19 which happened I think yesterday. Um, I watched most of it blown away of course by the new Mac Pro. (laughs) um with all its costs and mm. everything <laughs> else basically <laughs> your 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 initial thoughts yes. so uh i think i watched i watched a bit of the events live and then i catch mm. it up after work on mm. youtube mm. uh so earlier there was rumors that uh there's going to be an end of itunes mm. and then it manifested of course so itunes is but it makes sense yeah it does make sense considering how big podcasts have become globally, yeah, yeah. considering the fact that really, who does iTunes anyway? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. It streamlines everything for the business. Yeah, mm. mm. and then, uh, I, I also think, like, uh, in 2001, when iTunes, like, disrupted the whole music industry, mm. and then for that long, it has actually come to an end. It's mm. good. And mm. then, uh, following the... From what Apple is doing now, going forward with Apple Music... Mm podcast apple podcast and then apple tv i think it's also great and one other thing one other thing was the, was a was a uh, mac mac pro mm-hmm. you yeah. were the mac pro was yeah but the mac pro was like a big deal yeah because i mean on, on a number of levels firstly the first thing of course uh, people had been complaining about how Apple is not, you know, catering to the pros anymore and building yeah. devices that are not necessarily for the pros. So it was good in that sense that, you know, these devices sort of give a little more priority to the pros. It was also good because it just shows a company that's actually listening. Yeah. You know, and I, I it's a, it's such a power pal- I mean, one point five terabytes of RAM. What's what exactly are you going to do? You can with actually build build on it. On it to- exactly yeah. I feel exactly. it's something made for the creatives and then exactly. The I think people in the movie industry yeah. and things who are processing 4K video, you know, at incredible speeds and stuff. I I, I was really excited about it. People are trolling Apple obviously because of the shape of. Yeah, it um, looks, it looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's understandable. You would need to take a dig at the company. But I think, for me, I just felt it was really, really positive. Um, of course, no devices, no new iPhones were announced yesterday. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the update on iOS thirteen, um, updates Mac, on Maco Mac Mac iPad, iPad iPad OS as well. I I, I, th- I think it was pretty cool. I think it was Any, Anything else that Anything else that caused your attention? Uh, so uh, the new the the new features on the iPad. OS, which is like, it's making it perform close to a Mac, if Mm. I may say, Mm. yeah, Mm. so you can actually work with it, you don't I don't know, it works close to a Mac, Mm. and I think it's very good for creatives and then for uh, for me, I think the event was like it was just for creative people who create, basically and I think there's even support for a mouse um, yeah, for the, iPad, for the iPad. ipad and ipad pro and all of that and and i think like you said it's it, it's it did feel like an event for oh, creatives okay. for the pros to feel happy yeah. finally the apple is paying yeah. attention to them and when you when you look at you know even the um the what do you call it the oh the software that basically everybody built on the devs yeah. the developers you know um Archite, i believe you know and all the changes that they've made to making it a little more simpler for people to build and 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 use the apple operating system for the best of their to the best of their ability i think that there is a lot more consideration for people within that space and and it's it's really positive i can i want to imagine what people are going to do with it well, one other thing which is not that positive is the price <laughs> it's, it's, price is always a but problem. price is always a it's problem way, with apple it's really because two. just the stand alone is almost a thousand dollars and the screen alone is almost five thousand yeah. dollars then the device itself the brain of the machine itself is five, in, five it's, it's in excess of that's five thousand
1: dollars
0: yeah i mean if you can mind. afford it okay if you can Let's afford it dreaming. but i mean that's the whole point right it's, it's not necessarily for everybody yeah. it's for a community of people yeah. who know the people worth of paying that amount of money sure. That amount of money yeah. for it. People were
1: questioning why it should cost so much. You, know, uh, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. <laughs> anyway, it? still, so there's some bad news for Apple. Okay. They are being sued Over. by two developers okay. who are saying that um, Apple is making the App Store more like a monopoly. Okay. So they say that the strict rules that developers have to follow hmm. in getting their apps on the platform is hmm. stifling innovation.
0: It says who
1: says the two developers. One is um look,
0: no, I understand why they're saying it, but I'm just saying like one of the reasons why anybody will buy a Mac, for example, is because of you know the safety of yeah. Yeah. feeling free yeah. within the ecosystem. Mm. And if you allow too many loose ends, mm-hmm. it really doesn't yeah ensure that makes security
1: sense, and safety. But also I guess they want the freedom to explore Mm. Mm. you know so if I'm building go go
0: to another operating system it's not such a big deal you know one of the things I also found interesting was um, signing with Apple Apple. I think that was pretty huge as well Mm. I mean the fact that you know they are able to Give you an alternative email just to mask it so people can't, you know, see exactly see what your email address oh, is yeah, and
1: probably hack. I thought that was pretty, brilliant. yeah, it's super cool. I thought that okay. Was so, brilliant. on that note, of Android, there's um, there are some apps on Android mm-hmm. that are being used to push certain ads that people may not want. So, if you guys know. There are some android phones charlie will be there now and then a video will start playing yes so apparently some apps have um some adwares mm-hmm. intentionally installed mm-hmm. so after i use it for a time then it will start showing these things mm.
0: how do you get rid of it
1: um the uh, company that brought out this mm-hmm. did not say how to how get, rid, to get of rid, rid of it but, but just then, so we know that yes Mm. one app that was mentioned
0: it happens a lot it happens a lot in the house
1: one app that was mentioned Mm. is touchpal
0: touchpal the
1: keyboard app yes Mm -hmm. it was mentioned as one of the biggest corporates Mm. of this Mm. the adware that uses is called b 8 ad Mm. so you use it for a while you think you're fine or you're enjoying it then suddenly it starts messing up
0: well listeners please be on the lookout it's not every app you should download know so please be on the lookout for that if you are having some of these issues we will we will try and investigate a little yeah. more to figure out how else, how exactly you can correct the issue. Um, but that will be all for today's show. It's it's been a total pleasure coming your way. A big thank you to Kovidati for joining us in the studio. Thank you to Mister Entry of course, and to Jeffrey, to Farida as well for being a part of the show. Thank you for doing the listening. Thank you for all your contributions as well. My name is Frederick Pashon. The show will be up available as a podcast from tomorrow, so you can um, you know just check out anywhere you check out your podcast and we'll be there to make sure you get another listen to the show it's been a pleasure coming your way till next week stay techy